This episode of The Youth Take was brought to you by our 2022 podcast sponsor, Martins Point Healthcare. We thank them for their support. You're listening to the Main Boys to Men podcast, a podcast dedicated to lifting the voices of young people and engaging youth around topics of gender and violence prevention. Thanks for listening. I can start. So my name is Isabel. I am 17. I go to Scarborough High School and um, I'm a senior and I use she, her pronouns. I am Mackenzie. I also go to Scarborough High School. I'm in the 12th grade and I also use she, her pronouns. I am Jared and I go to Yarmouth High School and I'm a senior and I use he, him pronouns. Okay, so the topic of this episode of the podcast is how to argue in a healthy way. And so the first question is, how do you typically argue slash debate with people in different types of relationships? Mm. The way I argue is really different um, between like familial versus like my friends like platonic relationships. I don't really get into arguments with my friends. Um, And I think part of that is just like my personality. Like I don't really, sometimes it's unhealthy um, in the way that like I just don't really want to address conflicts. So I just don't address them. And sometimes that can be bad because those might grow into something that, you know, um, it's dangerous to the relationship. So that's something that I personally need to work on, but I definitely do argue with my family. Uh, I definitely do argue with my parents. And that's also, some, I think that's also, it can take to the other side of that extreme with my parents. It's like, sometimes I'm just like in a bad mood and like anything they do will make me so unreasonably mad and like irritated. And I just need to focus on like recognizing that those emotions are happening, but not exactly projecting those onto them when they did nothing wrong. It's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I think one really important thing about, you know, having a healthy debate and having a healthy argument is realizing that it's it's an ongoing kind of continuous um you know, situation. I think sometimes we fall into the traps and I've some, and I've definitely done this sometimes, especially with my family, um, where we're just so comfortable that like, I don't realize that I'm doing it in a healthy way because I've had so many healthy arguments and debates. And then just sometimes I slip back into, you know, debates that end up with us screaming at each other. And so I think really recognizing that it's continuous. You have to work for it in every single conversation, every single argument that you have. And also, you know, it's okay to have topics that are off limits with with certain people. Um, Like I know that with certain members of my family, there are things that I just like, if they try to try to start start a conversation with me about it, I just put my headphones in and don't even engage because sometimes there just is no way to effectively have that conversation. I've definitely had, especially with my family, a lot of like very like unhealthy um, arguments just because a lot of my family is a lot older than me and older generations that don't see the same as a lot of us in this younger generation see things. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it gets a lot more heated than I feel like it should get. And sometimes there are things I do in it that cause it to get more heated than it needs to get. 
on that point of generational differences, um, that's kind of something that I've been thinking about lately, something that I want to correct in myself because um, like being the daughter of immigrant parents, obviously like one, these two separate generations, but also their life and their experiences are so, so different than mine. And um, it can be like really simple things in our arguments. Like recently, since I've been busy with college application processes, I've been really bad with keeping um, my mom especially updated on like my schools and what they're about. When she asks about them, I find myself just going like, oh, you won't understand, but like not making an attempt to explain anything because um, it can sometimes just be simple to like get your mind like totally wrapped in that um, idea that they're so different from you that they'll never understand and then not even making an attempt at explaining anything or having this like healthy flow of communication. Okay. Should we move on to the next question? Sure. Um, so the next question is, how do narrow masculinity and femininity and their cultural interpretations influence how we were taught about debating and how we should do so? One of the things that I find actually um, plays in, for whatever reason, even though I'm aware that it happens, I still have, you know, I have an internal desire to, to kind of... Um, apologize whenever I like state my opinion. I don't know why, I don't know why. And I recognize that it happens, but I still feel like sometimes I wanna, you know, I say something and then I'm just like, sorry. And it's nothing that I've done wrong. Um, and I've noticed that that happen, tends to happen more with female identifying people than it does with male identifying people because of cultural ideas of propriety and you know, who gets to have opinions and who gets to be allowed about their opinions. Um, so that's kind of like an ongoing thing that I'm trying to notice and stop doing. I think it makes a lot of people think either one person has to be correct or if no one's correct, then it's really not an argument. Like, I feel like people think there has to be a definitive way of it ending when yet. Like there has to be a winner and a loser. Yeah. With that mindset, the argument never comes to a close. Yeah. I feel like something else um, to add from the perspective of being raised, like with social norms of how like a woman should behave and like how her, I guess, like ideas are received is um, a lot of the times, like I notice in TV shows like pop culture, or just like in the families um, and like groups of people around me, I notice a lot of the times that um, when a woman like states her opinion, um, even if she is like allowed to like be loud about it and you know she's very expressive of what she thinks, it's not always received well and glossed over and just not taken seriously and minimized. But like when a man speaks up, like, and I just notice this a lot at meetings sometimes, immediately like everyone will be nodding their heads and, you know, like being very active listeners, um, which also reminds me of something else that I saw online lately, um, which is a really big social norm for female identified people is when they are talking to like their boss or, you know, a male coworker or something. Um, and when that person is talking to them, they're always expected to be like very, very engaged, active listeners, like always really nodding and like words of affirmation and like smiling 
and um, it totally throws the other person off if you just like stare at them. If they're like yelling at you, they're like being a total bad, <laughs> bad word. Because um, I think our natural instinct, for me at least, being female identified, is always to be like, oh yeah, you know, nodding my head and like making eye contact. But like, I think it's really, really powerful to just not move and just like look at them because it really throws them off because not a lot of people do that. And I think that, the, you know, the ideas of whether or not female identifying or male identifying, you know, whether or not their, their opinion is really taken into account and not glossed over can change, especially with the, um, the topic of conversation. Um, so typically with conversations that tend to be more centered around female, especially I notice that a lot in, um, you know, my English classes, um, girls tend to speak up more when the conversation is specifically surrounding femininity. Um, but there is just like these general ideas that, you know, if it's a traditionally feminine topic, then female identifying people's opinions might be respected more um, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically there are a lot more traditionally male topics than there are traditionally female topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next question reads, how does identity change the dynamic within an argument? And how have we seen or experienced this? I think like a lot of different power dynamics um, and like different identities can be applied to all arguments. But the one that I notice most um, and I guess like that I experience most often is the power dynamic between like an older person, like an adult mm-hmm. to a younger person, especially if they're like your guardian, because I feel like with the, in the most common case, like parents talking to their children, it's always expected to be more of a one-sided conversation. Like as kids, you're expected to sit there and like listen, you know, while your parent like lectures you or whatever. Um, yeah, that's just... That's just what I notice most often in my life. And parents always have that, like, conversation ender, which is, yeah, like, like, it is because I say it is. <laughs> yeah, because I said so. And I'm like, I can't say that. They, they wouldn't listen yeah. to me if I said that. Right. But, yeah. Because they have power. I definitely, like, agree with, like, how, like, in schools there can be, like, the weird power dynamic between students and administrators. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a personal experience earlier in the school year, like in the fall, with our like student fan section for sporting events. Mm-hmm. There was some issue, and they got in trouble. And and then our like administrators kind of expected us students to be able to like kind of get it back under control. And a lot of us were like captains of sports, and it was like really hard because we couldn't really say to them, "Oh well, it's really not all on us." we couldn't really say, oh, well, you guys need to help us and do some things too. It, we just don't have the, pa- like not all the other students in our school respected all of us that are captains of sports and other leaders in the school. So it was just like, we kind of needed the help from the administrators to be more assertive, but we didn't really have that help. You bringing up the topic of school emails reminded me of like just the, ongoing joke that's been going on with my friends and I um oftentimes in a school setting teachers towards students they don't really hold the same kind of respect that students are expected to hold for their teachers 
Um, and like, I get that it's sort of a fine line to navigate because, you know, as an adult, you kind of are expected to have this authority and just um, having a more like disciplinary like kind of vibe just to keep everything like under control. Um, but at the same time, I feel like having that same level of respect is often um, walked over. And one example I can think of with emailing social norms is like we were taught since I remember fifth grade taking like a, a legit like whole class about this of like how you should send your email. Yeah, because um, they just opened up emails. Um, right, that's where I first started. And they're still teaching this in our high school's adulting class because I took that class. Um, but like they give this give us this whole like template of you know being super super formal and like whole paragraph emails um, with like uh, sincerely and like thank you so much signed by your name and everything it's like super structured and formal and <laughs> a lot of the times I'll be sending those emails and the email I get back from my teacher <laughs> oh my God. is like two weeks late um, I'll ask like six questions in my email and the re reply email will be like, yes, period. Sent for my iPhone. <laughs> like that'll be the email. <laughs> even worse, they like don't even pay attention to any grammatical rules at all. Even for emails that are like two sentences long, I spent like 15 minutes. Yeah. I do gear, you know, Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. Um, and then I and then I have the from and then it's like all correctly punctuated and all in very concise language. Um, and then I just get, you know, a lowercase yes yeah. back with no period after it, sometimes with a smiley face, too. Um, <laughs> I feel like maybe if I could suggest, like, a closing question, do each of you want to say one or two things that you think help have a healthy argument? I remember this from the RSVP trainings, actually. One of the um, tactics, or I guess, like, the warning signs to look out for in toxic relationships is when you're arguing, they use a lot of direct um, you statements. Like, this is your fault, like, you did this. It's like, you know, they always use, like, your personal pronoun instead of generalizing. And sometimes it can be more, you can come more to the space being like, this is me, like, setting my boundary instead of being like, you're doing this wrong. Um, yeah, using less of like direct use statements. Um, one thing that I've noticed about myself sometimes, especially in an academic setting, is I can, I certainly do not mean to do this, but I can take over um, conversations pretty easily just because I have, you know, a lot to say um, and, you know, I want to say it. One thing that I've really been trying to do myself is, you know, this make space, take space principle. Especially if you're talking to someone who you don't know all that well or you know is a bit more hesitant to speak up. Personally, just making sure that they have, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to them and they have an opportunity and they feel comfortable responding um, to anything that I'm saying. Um, and just continuing to do that, you know, in every conversation and debate that I have. I think one thing I, 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 that I think I, I need to do a better job of is just doing like a lot more like listening and like allowing others to give more of their opinions before I continue trying to speak or something. Mm -hmm. I feel like I a lot of the time end up interrupting or like speaking over and I think that that's just really important to not speak over and let people have their thoughts put in. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Youth Take. To support more conversations like these, please consider giving $5 at mainboystomen.org.